I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, January 13th, 2018. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on radio. I am your host, Nick Antonucci, joined today by Jarrett McKenzie from our P&I department. You got it. Shauna P&I. Planning, Planning and implementation. Okay, good. Thank you. So right. sorry. Hey, it's the internal jargon. We've been using it all day. I know. I, I get locked in it. <laughs> and joining us today is from the research department, our intern, Andrew Hedden, making his first appearance. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, he'll be he'll be back with us in, in coming segments to uh, fill in for Troy with the dog of the week. Can't wait for it. Better be good. No pressure. Where's Troy? Uh, you know, take doing the day business, off. Doing business. Uh, Troy doesn't take days off. I was gonna say I've never you known know him to take a vacation day. <laughs> never. Well, guys, um, it's been an overall up week for the markets this week as we enter our, uh, I guess our second week of 2018. But don't panic. We did have our first down day of 2018 on Wednesday. I'll be at first very of the year. Huh? First of the year. Wow. And where do we end up? Is it significant? No, it was like didn't 20 basis points. I figured you it didn't would. even know it, see? Yeah, exactly. You weren't worried. <laughs> no. That's not down, that's flat. Yeah, basically. But, you know, anytime <laughs> we get any kind of movement to the downside now, it's so rare that everyone's yeah. – is this the top? Well, it's the top. So to, to the to – the, in, in contrast, how many records have we set this year? And then like six or seven? Every other day has almost been a record, Basically, yeah. yeah. And we're how many days into the new year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, um, uh, we're, we're recording as of Thursday, so we are what, 11, 11 days. days yeah. 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 So, so far, a good year. We're up 71 basis points. Um, actually, we're up 3.36. I'm sorry, for the last five days, we're up 71 basis points. Year to date in 2018, we're up 3.36%. We're continuing where we left off 2017. Although, if you look at sectors so far, performance this year, it's quite different than what we saw last year. Leading so far, we have energy, industrials, and consumer discretionary uh, up about 6, 5, and 5% respectively. number of other different sectors doing well. Tech's continuing to rally up more than 4.25%. But what you're seeing lagging, we have four sectors negative. We've got consumer staples, telecom utilities, and real estate, though, are the three I want to focus on because they're the most rate-sensitive sectors of the market. And if you follow the markets at all, you might have heard that uh, rates have come up. You know, the yield on treasuries has come up. I think we're around nearing 2.6, roughly, on the 10-year. Wow. Um, And these are all capital-intensive sectors. You know, these companies have to borrow a lot to finance their operations. So definitely going to weigh on them, not a big surprise that that's where uh, we've seen – the weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, energy is a top performer, and that ties back to the price of oil. Price of oil is up almost 7% this year. So wow. energy is leading for the week and the year then, wow. huh? It is, yeah. And again, you can tie that to oil prices. And that, that's you know due to a, a number of factors, OPEC being one of them, uh, you know, extending cuts. And then also, you know how cold it's been here uh, in the States. So greater demand for, for uh, yeah, oil, energy. gas. Right. 
commodity type products. So yeah, that's uh, driving prices higher as well. It's been kind of a light week for economic data, kind of easing our way into the, the new year. Things kind of kicked off Wednesday with the latest mortgage application survey, which was up for the week. The index was up 8.3% from the prior, percent from the prior week. Refinancing was up 11.4%. Purchases were up a little bit less, but still up 5%. Um, and that's why you saw the 30-year and jumbo mortgage rates rise a little bit, um, respectively. So what you're seeing is people kind of starting off the new year, maybe entering back in the market. We all know the winter time, uh, late end of the year, isn't a great time to be selling a home. So maybe you're starting to see buyers enter back into the marketplace. That's interesting. Refinancing rates are up that high. Isn't they already, already refinanced? It's, it's, can it's you like, wait to rates go up you, to why look have you at waited, it? Why have you waited this long? I mean, still, if, if, you look, if you look compared to history, <laughs> it's still cheap. But where have you been still. the last, you know, Six. Four, four or five years? Yeah, really. yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, also on Wednesday, got some trade data. Wholesale inventories came back in a big way in November. Uh, we saw stockpiles rose, rise 0.8%. And what we're looking for here is kind of accumulation of inventory. Um, companies realizing that consumer spending is picking up. They want to be prepared. So they're uh, building their stockpiles a little bit. So good data there. Um, producer price index came out on Thursday. Growth in producer prices cooled in December, but this comes off a few months of solid gains. Um, it fell 0.1%, but if you look year over year, still up 2.7%. And that's roughly, you know, in line with probably headline CPI. But if you look at the core CPI, which is closer to 1.7, typically producer price index is a leading indicator for the CPI, which we'll get next week. So we'll kind of see if that truly is um, what's coming into line here. If we see a, a bigger year-over-year increase in the consumer price index, maybe indicative of some inflation that we've been waiting some time to see. Um, and we are seeing wage wages pick up, so perhaps we start to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, related on a related note, we saw Walmart come out today. They're upping their uh, minimum wage yeah. to uh, what I think like eleven dollars. Yeah, uh, and they're citing the new tax plan as the incentive to do so. They're also offering that one thousand dollar bonuses to a lot of their employees. Something we've seen across a number of different companies. They're extending maternity leave, I think, to ten weeks, and uh, I think even for for spouses and partners, you get six weeks now, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, nice. it really is. They're making a lot of changes. I, it's funny you're talking about that. I just got an alert come through saying they're shuttering 63 Sam's Club locations. Oh, really? So, yeah, they got a lot of change going on over there, it appears. And Walmart's been one of those stocks that's done phenomenally. If you look at it last year, oh, yeah. I want to say it was up 40 something. Yeah, well, it was trading 40%. around 60, 60%. and then yeah. uh, now I think it was like $100 today or so. Yeah, right around there. Yep. Um, also, our weekly jobless claims came out today. Uh, slight uptick. In the week, um, up $11,000 from last week to $261,000. The four-week moving average also rose 9000 to 250750 Again, this is kind of a number you don't have to pay too close attention to on a weekly basis. You more want to follow the trend. Um, as I mentioned, rates rose across the board. You had the two-year up uh, 4.1 uh, basis points, the five-year up almost seven, and then a, a bigger uptick in the 10 and 30. So maybe you are starting to get a little bit of steepening in that yield curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've seen recently, a huge flattening um, of the yield curve, meaning that yeah. the, the spread between you know tens and twos, the short end and the long end, is narrowing. Well, it's better than the other direction, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and a lot of what's driving this is you, you get reports out of China that they may be slowing their treasury purchases. Um, that's going to you know drive down the, the purchases of that. Therefore, the price goes down, yields come up. Sure. Um, also... You know, you hear whispers out of ECB that perhaps the early part of 2018, they may kind of do away with their QE. I mean, they're still into QE, but maybe they'll stop their bond buying program. 
uh, early in 2018 if inflation uh, continues to tick up. Um, why, why do you think with China making those comments that the, 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 the treasuries are still continue to tick up, like you said? Well, you have yields ticking up, not yeah. prices. So oh, think okay. about it. You don't have the price. buying demand coming gotcha. through and uh, um, driving those prices up. Sure. Well, that like, makes perfect sense then. Like you, like you normally would, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, something else i got to give a shout-out to uh, millennials. I know Troy likes to beat up, us, up on us a lot. <laughs> On sure. the show, but uh, a study came out this week from Discover, and it says millennials are outperforming older generations when it comes to saving for their future. In a national study of 2,205 people, Discover finds that 81% of millennials are currently saving in some capacity, compared to 74% of Gen Xers and 77% of baby boomers. Wow. So, you know. That's great. A little That's bit of credit for, for the lazy millennials, right? <laughs> I guess you're just talking about the ones that have jobs, though. I don't think we need to look at the comparison of those that do and don't. Yeah, but those numbers are skewed, like the jobs report, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's only those not applying. But the thing that gets me is we often see in these studies is nearly one quarter of Americans still aren't saving. They got some, sounds like they got some good faith in the Social Security program. Yeah, they must, because otherwise I'm not really sure how you're going to sustain yourself through retirement. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's always shocking to me when you see these surveys. We get the uh, retirement benefit uh, survey you know, every year, and it's shocking how little people have saved. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's shocking to see them retiring on it. I mean, because they don't have much choice. You get to a point where you can't have work to, anymore, yes. right? You know, and it's like you got to think about your lifestyle that far down the road. I think we all have sort of a, uh, by nature thinking more about the present, you know, and some of these folks. Instant gratification right. spending. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it is. But you got to learn to put yourself in that place, I think, down the road of how do you want to live life when that time comes? Because we don't know if Social Security will be around or not. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the statistics you see every year get a little more concerning. Obviously, the further out you are. If you're close to retirement now, you can, you know, feel pretty confident that that money's going to be there for you. Right. But, you know, the millennials who are saving more, maybe some of them are coming to the realization that, hey, yeah. You know, I, I might not be able to, to count on this. I don't know what the most recent study of, you know, Social Security uh, shows that it'll run out at. Um, yeah. Well, But, but I, it, it is concerning, and it, it's it's important to save on your own and not be relying on a system like right. that. Well, if they do make any changes, I mean, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they ever did away with it. I think what you'll probably see more than anything or sooner than anything is them extending the age of full retirement. You know, for most people right now, it's 66, 67, maybe they – push that mm-hmm. to 69, 70, you'd probably see something like that or first. Or higher taxes because you're right. up to 85% sure. taxable. Exactly. And, or, you know, reducing benefits for higher income earners, which is not really necessarily fair because they're the ones that put mm-hmm. most, a lot of it in, too. Yeah. So. Well, to the next point, I think, you know, with as many people that don't have the savings and, you know, the country knows that. These are not hidden statistics. So we've got to have something. I don't think that they would jeopardize, you know, the, the well-being of the country to that extent, you know, by cutting it. Sure, I, I, I agree. Smaller do changes. everything in, in their in their power to make sure that it it doesn't run out. Yep. Well, guys, I think that's a great place to go and uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss our financial situation uh, and our dog of the week. You're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dial. Well, I guess we all know what time it is now. That's right. 
Time for the dog of the week. And while Troy's not here, we're not going to just skip the dog of the week. We're going to pass it on and put the pressure on our favorite intern, Andrew. That's right. It's the most important right. part of your internship, man. <laughs> pass or fail. Let's, let's you hope got, it's good. You got to one up good. Troy on this. <laughs> man, I one up Troy. But, you know, we, we thought we left Christmas behind. Now we're in a new year, having a great new year. But we're still having news stuck on Christmas. It looks like out of uh, the suburbs of Los Angeles, a man's at a Costco, and he saw a woman in line with a dead Christmas tree. And what was she doing? She was wanting to return her dead Christmas tree on January 4th for her money back. So really? This man, as well as everyone else in line, looking at her, a little strange, but she <laughs> well, waited in line. Did, did they actually refund it? Well, she waited in line, and after the man uh, shared, there was a bit of shaming from the customer service, but they ended up giving her money back. So hey, Come on. Wow. Really? It's like kind of like, you have the nerve to do this. Wow. Here you go. Yeah. Good for you. Man. So, well, the thing died. You didn't stay alive. You know, I mean, I'm not, not saying this is advice. <laughs> that's but, uh, probably, I got I to gotta think that that's probably the owner's can fault you, that, that, can that you, the Christmas tree died. You, maybe you could do it with flowers. That would be great. Hey, think I, got about these, that. I got these for my wife. And they died. Six weeks ago. And they, didn't, <laughs> they, they didn't live, so. You I guaranteed did, them. Well, it's like, <laughs> think about stores. I think it's Nordstrom's that's, you know, known for having this amazing return policy. You take things back. Uh, you know, years later, and they'll give you the full refund. Yeah. So, hey, if that's how your uh, return policy is set up right. and someone actually takes you up on it, I guess you can only blame yourself. I know I know of employees here who had a, a washer dryer for four years, and, and they it broke, and they took it back, and Costco actually gave yeah. them their full money back. So it's Costco's, though. Yeah, they must be trying to compete so with Walmart. Buy whatever Walmart's you want from Costco. Way. When something new comes out, return the old one, get your money back, and buy the new one. Yeah. Right? Well, clearly no one else and if you're do that, saw this lady try to do uh, that. Stock. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I mean, that seems like a pretty dangerous precedent. No. If, you, if you're that, per- are you not no. just horribly embarrassed? I guess yeah. money's tight. Yeah. For that individual. Yeah, of course. You know what? You take it, take it to the landfill. It cost you like ten dollars. So maybe she's just smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. At the least, you should. You think <laughs> well, she'd hey, we at just Lowe's, take it. they were shipping them. Well, for they you, do recycle them. Yeah, we got. As a matter of fact, when we we got ours from Home Depot last year. Uh, and they told us when we bought it, hey, if you bring it back between these dates, we, we'll recycle it for free. So it's it's funny you said every year, like uh, shortly after Christmas, probably this week, are you if you walk through Piedmont Park, there's always new mulch, and it just smells of mm-hmm. Christmas trees. You can tell that's where they're doing. They're recycling them, but why not put them to good use, right? Yeah. We need well, to get that lady in here for an interview. I know. Good story, oh, that Andrew. Was pretty, that was we good. Approve. That was good. <laughs> All right, guys, let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about our uh, financial situation for the week. And it really ties back to the, the, ta- the change in the tax plan, the elimination of deductions and exemptions. And, and what does that mean to us, Shauna? I don't know that we can trump last week's show, though, huh? <laughs> uh, from what I We're hear We're not going to go there. It's going to be a little We're calmer. Just, yeah. We're just going to talk about yell, exemptions and the calculations <laughs> and just go through really break it down what it means for you. Because I know Bill was talking about more money in your paychecks. And yeah. So what does that mean exactly? <clears throat> so situationally, you know, I, I, people have talked about, and, and to piggyback, I'm sure Bill mentioned it, that we've lost the personal exemptions. Mm-hmm. So you think about people with a lot of children. And, you know, this could really hurt them. But, of course, you know, the standard deduction is doubled and there's all these different moving pieces. So what does that actually mean? Right. So, you know, we want to break it down in terms of, excuse me, you're looking at a family uh, of five. So Mm -hmm. husband, wife, three children. A small family. Small family. You you don't know. To you. (laughs) Both of you, I guess. (laughs) This family of fives, I just laugh at them. Little families. (laughs) 
<laughs> we <laughs> won't even go into your tax situation. You <laughs> you're probably going to you're going to be yelling like Bill was. <laughs> yeah, I just accepted. I, you know. <laughs> So in 2017, a family of five had personal exemptions of 20000 20250 to be exact, but about $20,000. They're losing this deduction this year, okay? Um, they, had, they, they itemized deductions to make it up a scenario of about $21,000. Um, so going forward in 2018, what does this mean? So they're losing the 20000 roughly, personal exemptions from the front end, okay? The standard deductions increasing for them, so their deductions are actually higher a little bit. If you had twenty one thousand deductions, is going to twenty four because it's doubling this year. Yeah. Okay, but they're still losing that twenty thousand dollar exemption. And what happened was, you know, given where their income is, if you're looking at somebody, you know, average income one hundred thirty, hundred thousand or so, you know, the, the tax brackets are also shifting. That's what Bill was talking about in, you know, mm-hmm. getting more in your paycheck. So in that scenario, the tax rate's going from twenty five to twenty two percent as far as marginal bracket. Okay, so there's a little bit of savings there mm-hmm. so that helps curb that twenty thousand but what also helps is the the child tax credits okay sure. so we, we've had the child tax credits they've increased from a thousand to two thousand so they have doubled okay and so what also happened um, was they increased the the income limit so the phase out for that used to be so if you made over a hundred and ten thousand you got phased you started getting phased out of the thousand dollar credit well now mm-hmm. they've increased it to four hundred. And so in this scenario, these individuals actually have $6,000 credit, which a credit is more powerful than a deduction because credit is dollar for dollar. Right. So in this scenario, they're actually saving about $4,500. So even though they lost that $20,000 exemption, you know, the, the increase slightly in the standard deduction helped. Then mm-hmm. the rate decreased from 25 to 22, and now you have a credit on top of that. Yeah. So you're decreasing your tax bill, and that they're 4,500 bucks. Correct. Yeah, and I think so, doesn't it help the people that were filing the standard deduction or for the standard deduction more so than those that were itemizing in the past? I mean, obviously, if you've got this double standard deduction now from what it was, you probably weren't right. itemizing up to that amount. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. And and while the credits do certainly help, I think. Uh, you know, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, Sean. I know you're more qualified as a CPA than I am, but the so the credits, albeit you know they are dollar for dollar, would help a lower income taxpayer more so. Wouldn't a higher taxpayer desire a deduction more so than a credit in in trying to reduce their taxable income as opposed to getting a couple thousand extra bucks versus you know because if they're making four hundred thousand dollars. Then reducing that tax liability, keeping their tax brackets down, is more important to them than the credit. And again, credit is dollar for dollar. That's Credit's money in for your dollar pocket. For dollar. So if you equivalent that to a, a deduction, the deduction would be, you know, a higher amount than that credit. And so mm-hmm. it's dollar for dollar. And see, that's where, you know, the, the people that are actually going to be paying more. You know, you have, you know, family of five or mm-hmm. twelve Seven. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 15. So you had all these exemptions, right? <laughs> but depending on where your income is, you may not get those credits. So right. you are losing that. And so if your if your income's at 400,000 joint, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to you're not you're going to start phasing out of those credits. So you're not going to get it. So you're going to be losing, you know, depending on how many children you had, you're going to mm-hmm. be losing all those exemptions and your own exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um and then you're going to be limited to on deductions. Right. Because you're going to be limited to, you know, the state and the real estate. The max you can deduct now is 10000 mm-hmm. That's going to hurt higher income earners 
because they pay higher state taxes that they can normally deduct. Right. Well, now I can't deduct those state taxes and I can't take those child tax credits, mm-hmm. you know. So obviously, you know, it, yeah. we're talking 400 and above, 400,000 and above or mm-hmm. higher income earners, but still it's a change for them. Yeah, sure. It's a complicated situation and, and is unique to to each person, I think it's fair it to say, is. right? I, you know, and I hear a lot of people all the time. It's like, oh, you know, is this good or bad for me? I'm, it depends. It depends. Yeah. That's it's a typical very CPA yeah, answer. Like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Attorneys and CPAs. Yeah. Are you depends. working on your CPA? You, you, been, yeah. oh. I think I know all the answers just now. <laughs> you do. You do. That's all you have to say. It, it depends. depends. Yeah. But it is very circumstantial. I mean, it, it all, you know, I'm, while I think the bill will certainly help more people than it hurts, I frankly might be one of the people because of my family dynamics and, and what all we have going on. It may cost me more. Now, to, to your point early on in, in this uh, in this situation we're talking about, uh, there are times when, you know, it, it, it may affect others more so than, you know, well, let, let me just say that. Sorry, I lost my train of thought here where we're going with this. This is a, a complicated well, bill. Well, it is, and and really it expands more than just at the individual level, and we've seen this plenty in the news. We talked about it early on. Uh, you know, the reduction in the corporate rate, and what what does that right. mean, mean for individuals? And we've seen it in, in, in the stock market already trickle through. Not only are you seeing companies hand out pay increases or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one-time True. bonuses. Yeah. True. But you've seen, you know, assets, family assets appreciate as, as a reaction from the stock market um, – Thinking this is favorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like so now, recall what I was saying. You know, if we if we got lower tax brackets and almost everyone, as we were talking about on the previous show, will see an increase in their month to month pay or or biweekly pay. You know, however you get paid, that doesn't necessarily mean your tax liability won't be higher when it comes to next year's tax sure. season, right? right? So, you know, it, it can feel beneficial, and maybe it is. I mean, frankly. <laughs> for my family and, and having more kids, that monthly cash flow is very meaningful to me. Um, there are ways to, and of course, I don't want my tax liability to go up, but at the same time, the monthly cash flow increasing will certainly help. Uh, every little bit does for us. But, you know, again, I think the bill is going to help more people than it hurts. And for those sure. that, that maybe it, it hurts, uh, you know, you, you just kind of got to roll with the punches sometimes and figure out ways to so hopefully, the way I look at it, and as we talk, I was telling Bill last week on the show, look, if the corporations are doing better because it, it's sort of geared at them and is going to benefit them the most, well, guess what? Then that hopefully means my investments are going to be doing better. Maybe or I your can, pay goes up, right? And, and then I'm making up for what I might be losing in my tax liability by my, you know making more money with retirement accounts and things like that. So, yeah, so did absolutely. you ask Bill for a raise last week? Not yet. I'm easing go? into it. <laughs> Guys, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and listen to some, uh, answer some listener questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Up with it, girl. Rock with it, girl. Show them it, girl. Bada bang bang. Bunks with it, girl. Dance with it, girl. Get with it, girl. Bada bang bang. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Talks. And uh, guys, I thought you were gonna dance to that. I was dancing. Oh. They don't know that. You see him popping in his chair, just pop. <laughs> guys, it's uh, oh, I think it's time no. for my favorite part of the show, getting to listen to some uh, answer some listener questions. I keep saying that backwards. It's like the words get jumped. Well, actually, listener, do, do answer listener questions. A lot of times we've that. had some listener questions or uh, see now to you listen know, yeah. to. I know. Now you got me oh, all on the phone. Time. Yeah. You know what? Let's start this segment. No. <laughs> yeah. We we do have listener. You just uh, want to see Nick dance again. Listeners call in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
We uh, we do have a call in line actually, right? Can't you? Can't yeah, you absolutely. Get a, if you'd like to call in and have your question uh, answered on the air, got it right that time. You can reach us at seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six or call our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. Um, or you can email us if that's easier for you. That's your preferred uh, means of communication. It's drgene at hensler.com. And, you know, we, coming off this tax discussion, uh, it emphasizes you may have a very complex tax situation, and, and should you need help with that, you know, we're here for you to call. As I mentioned, uh, our uh, local number is 770-429-9166. Call us up. We'll be happy to meet with you and uh, help you figure out your, your situation for the coming year. Um, That's right. Or you could be like our good friend uh, Ed Kelly here who sends us questions that we answer for you on the radio. Absolutely, and we're always happy to to take those. I guess uh, on that note, Jared, Ed Kelly uh, writes, I read both of Mr. Leko's columns about the new tax treatment for pass-through entities. Wow, seems that the CPAs will have their homework cut out for them. My question is, who are these changes aimed at? I can see the logic and reason for the corporate tax cuts, getting foreign profits back home and other things, but what kind of entities are these pass-through cuts intended for? With the list of types of businesses that are excluded, I can't think of many other types of businesses that are left that will benefit. Is the gist of it mainly the entities that fall in those categories of, quote, lower income that are pointed out in his column, giving them a tax break? Well, Well, the pass-through entity, (laughs) the pass-through entities, you know, LLCs, partnership, S-corps, sole proprietorships, those are the pass-through entities is talking about. So with a pass-through entity, you obviously have to pay yourself a certain salary. There's IRS code for that. But anything beyond that is a distribution. So that was taxed all the way up to 39.6% ordinary income. So these tax breaks they obviously gave for the C-Corps, you know, went from 35 to 21 max. They also pushed for the small business owners and pass-through entities. They put forth uh, a deduction for them to help reduce the tax exposure, not to go to the sure. highest tax bracket. So there are limitations to that. It is very complex. So that's that's what they're targeting are the small businesses. A lot of small businesses are pass-through entities. So there's tax benefits to do that. And so, you know, in previous years there were. So it may look different now that – C-Corps have changed, but, you know, it's meant for the business owners. Sure, and that's a huge part of the market there. I mean, this is a 2012 statistic, but let's be real, it hasn't declined uh, since 2012. But small businesses make up 99.7% of U.S. employer firms. Mm -hmm. That's an SBA statistic right there. Right. So you have to push tax cuts to them, too, to help them grow and, and, you know, hire, et cetera. Yeah, Yeah, there's some benefit across the board, I think. The bill seems to have certainly been aimed at – uh, all types of businesses, mainly corporations. Yeah, th- you know, with the theory being that by helping them, that helps the individual. But you know, when you you see these these provisions about the standard deduction increasing, I mean, to your point, Ed, I, I think that that certainly is helping give those lower income tax co- tax <clears throat> excuse me lower income taxpayers a tax break. Uh, there's there's certain things like that that are, are playing in on both sides. Uh, you know, to give them to give people a break. But uh, more than anything else, I think that by aiming this bill and the provisions of it at corporations and giving them, uh, you know, additional retained earnings to do things with, for instance, uh, today's Thursday, January 11th, when we're we're recording the show, and Delta uh, Airlines actually announced that they're raising their 2018 earnings guidance 20% 
due specifically to the new tax law. Now, all of that may not be attributable to the tax savings that because now the the maximum corporate tax rate has been lowered, uh, what's happening is with those additional tax savings, they're able to reinvest those earnings into new projects and other things that are going to help their business flourish. And that, of course, then hopefully anyways is passed on to the consumer, and we're all better off, even if, like I was saying you know, in the previous segment, for instance, myself, if, if I uh, am going to be taxed more because of these changes in the dynamics of my family, if, if maybe I'm a, uh, an investor in Delta and a shareholder and they do better because now they've got these new tax breaks, well, then you know, maybe I can help offset some of my tax liability, my increased tax liability, yeah. by, by having companies in my portfolio that perform better. And so, you know, again, it's kind of a give and take sort of thing. If I was a lower income taxpayer, maybe I don't have those investments, but guess what? I got a double or twice my standard deduction now, so I'm going to save some there. And like I say, it depends on how you're looking at it and for what angle you're looking at it. Sure. And, um, you, and you mentioned something, Jared, about uh, reinvesting back in the company. And uh, part of this bill is, is aimed at encouraging companies to spend on CapEx, you know, as we've seen since uh, the bottom of the market, companies have been keen on buying back their stock, but they're really not, you know, expanding, you know, increasing capacity, things of that nature, which is what we really want to see. Right. Um, I'm a bit skeptical as to whether or not we're actually going to see that because the, the way I see it is company, companies, it's almost if they have the capacity that they need. Yeah. There's not an, a huge amount of, you know, un, I guess – they haven't built out too much capacity right mm-hmm. now. Um, and, and I'd be surprised if all of a sudden you see companies, sure, they're going to move cash back over at a lower rate. That's right. great. But in terms of spending, I don't feel like companies have been holding out for this. Were, were, they, were they like, oh, we, we would go and build this new plant, but we'll wait two years till yeah. Trump gets elected and then we'll do it. No. I, and, and access to capital has been available and mm-hmm. cheap. I just don't know that. It's really going to spur CapEx that much. Prior to the financial crisis, I think that 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 may be the case, or that wouldn't be the case. But now I think that the crisis changed the mentalities of the executives, specifically Mm -hmm. these companies. Mm -hmm. Now they want to hoard the cash. Oh, we've got these additional savings. Let's retain those earnings, figure out other ways to help shareholders. Maybe they increase a dividend. But you're right. When they put it into new projects like that, now it's deployed and it's committed to something new. and, And that... I think is just it makes people more nervous now after seeing what we saw I agree. during that time. All right, guys. Well, I think that answers this question pretty well. And, I mean, being January, it's not either. We get a lot of tax questions, and this one really ties in, too. This is Diane from Atlanta. She writes, I have a few positions that my advisor does not recommend. I primarily hold on to them for tax reasons. Now that it's a new year, should I sell these positions knowing I have a year ahead to offset those gains? It seems like a good time to get my portfolio in line with my advisor uh, advisor's recommendation so I can be in line with their target performance. Um, and and I, I agree with this. Uh, I think we're going to have differing opinions on this because our departments butt heads on them throughout the year. <laughs> um, me working in research and, and strictly thinking that way from an in- investment perspective, not sure. so much the tax situation, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who's saying, listen, we, we, we recommended this change for a reason. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we feel the replacement security is going to perform better. Mm-hmm. Taxes taxes or not. Don't right. let the tax tail wag, wag the, the dog. investment dog. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the way I see things. Um, but but you're right. If you were holding off for tax purposes, it is a new tax year. Get your portfolio in line. And that's yeah. that's not just speaking to this one scenario. In general, you know, we ha- we came off a year of 40% gain in technology. Your technology 
mm-hmm. portion of your portfolio mm-hmm. is going to be far overweight. Trim that back. You know, you're going to rebalance and buy into sectors that look more attractive, the che- right. cheaper valuations that probably have more room to run uh, in, in the upcoming year. Well, one of the things I would say to Diane, which is something I say to all our clients, is, look, you wouldn't have a tax problem if you didn't have a gain, if you weren't exactly. making money. So, look, if you if you want to hang on to it until you, you don't have, have a, a gain anymore. Just, just wait until it what's goes the down. Point? Yeah. Well, I, look, it's it's so easy, and I think – People understand this, seemingly understand this much better when you kind of put it in an example in that, you know, look, if you've got a $10,000 gain in the security, right, and, and maybe let's say that's that's really big for you, so you've held on to it, and let's just say that was Diane's position in this security that she's she's referencing. Well, if, if the position, let's say the market, and we're due, beyond due. Yes. Far overdue. Oh, 20%, right? So yeah. let's say that comes. You lose 20%. Now your position is worth $8,000. You got still an 8000 or your gain is still $8,000, $8, presumably. So now you got an $8,000 gain, and you just lost what you would have paid in tax. And you still have, you know, that's the worst place to be. Yeah. So it's, it is about managing the tax. And to her point, yeah, if you've got a whole year to offset the gains, then that's probably the best time to do it, especially sure. this year with the market being as high as it is. Well, let's, well, let's not try to sell gains and then hope for a correction so we can take right. losses. Yeah, you because, know, sure. other repercussions there. Yes. <laughs> you never We're, know what's going what's to come. Right. Um, something else um, to consider is if, if you're going to rebalance your portfolio and, and you're going to move into uh, different asset classes, now may be a good time to reevaluate your if you're managing your portfolio on your own evaluate other asset classes that you're not typically invested in. You know, things change year to year. It's it's not smart to maintain the same investment style. Um, sure. As you guys know, we make changes uh, throughout the year to try and, you know, position the portfolio for what we expect in the upcoming years. And what better time of year to do that than, than you know, right. at, the, at the beginning? At the beginning the and year. with a little bit of tax cuts as well. And if you're rebalancing to try to get things back in line and, and you're going to incur taxable gains as a result, well, that's fine. You know, set aside whatever tax that's implication what you there that's might be. That's the best, is if you're selling position at a gain, reserve whatever you estimate yep. you're going to owe in taxes for that particular position. That way, when tax time comes, that money's sitting in the bank. Maybe you put it in a short-term CD mm-hmm. that matches when your tax bill is going to be due. But I agree with yeah. that 100%, and I think that's a smart way to manage your tax situation. Yeah, and and we do that all the time. That's what we advise clients. Look, if we do it now, sure, we don't necessarily want to hope for declines and let there be an offset, but we're going to set that aside, try to get what little interest that we can in the meantime, and, you know, when when uh, the time comes to pay the tax, it'll be there available for you, and you don't have to worry about raising it. Absolutely. Well, we'll be uh, right back after this break. We'll answer a few more questions and give our outlook for the uh, week ahead. You're listening to Money Talks. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Nick Antonucci, joined today by Jarrett McKenzie, Shauna Theriault, and Andrew Hedden. And uh, we're just continuing on answering some of our listener questions. Um, and we're back to taxes. I know you guys are probably tired of talking about taxes right now, but it is the hot topic. <laughs> yeah. It is. The and it change. will be for some time, it, it I guess. It certainly will be. Um, so Frank from Marietta asks, I really wanted to get your opinion on the treatment for state and local tax and the tax reform bill. I was talking to my father-in-law, and he was arguing that we're losing a huge deduction. I believe we're making up for it 
in the larger personal exemption, and there's still a deduction up to $10,000. And as we were talking off air, that $10,000 is for state, local, and your property Real taxes. Real estate taxes, yes. Yeah. So it's combined. So it, it's it's a significant change. You know, you, you could, in years past, deduct everything that you paid into the state. So anything we pay into Georgia, you can deduct. Um, and then your real estate taxes, so the combined max is 10000 So, And you talk about high tax rate states, New York, yeah. California, yes. well, New those, Jersey. Move. Those <laughs> will feel the pain the most. You know, right. this, this was something that we talked about on air last week just with some of there being – We've heard some instances of there being a higher demand of, for real estate in certain areas of Florida because now it's almost as if there's been an incentive for people to move away from these higher tax states so that, you know, they can avoid this. Because, you know what, uh, Frank, your dad's right. You Depending on where you live, and, and again, this is all circumstantial to, to your tax situation, but you could be poised for uh, losing a pretty big deduction. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. like you said, if, you, oh, if you're yeah. deducting a lot and now all of a sudden that's capped at 10000 well, that's going to hit you pretty hard. And while you certainly may make up for it in the larger personal exemption, uh, that may or may not be the case. You know, it's very specific and, and all the reason to, to have a tax advisor if you don't have one because um, anytime there's changes like this, it's going to make things more complex and you, you probably need some guidance. So uh, you guys keep sending in these questions. They're good ones and we can certainly help you with them. But if you want some specific guidance uh, as far as your situation is concerned, then uh, come and see us and, and we'll be glad to do what we can. Sure, and, and related to that, you saw a lot of people come forward and try and prepay their 2018 property yeah, taxes and be able to was, do that this year. That was smart. And I kept, I kept hearing stories that a lot of people didn't think that through and would go forward and pay, and you could only do that if your home had been appraised in, a, in the previous year. I guess they don't appraise homes every single year. You pay on an estimated tax bill. Right. Um, and if that's what you're paying on, I don't know that you could deduct that. So um, surely you could, you know, search that online and see, see kind of what the uh, – yeah, we did get a lot of questions of people yeah. asking to do that, but yeah, you, you, they they will not allow you to assess the value of your your home in a future year. Right, was essentially what it boiled down to. So, sure, uh, that's a good thought though. People people try they they had their their head yeah. on on Be the strategic. right path there. Yeah. Or prepaying state taxes too. You know, it depends if you're in a higher if you're an AMT, it, it didn't even help you to sure. prepay state taxes, and and the and the law specific prohibits paying future taxes. So you can pay up to your 17 tax liability and deduct it. And prepay it if you're not an AMT, but if if it was you're paying beyond 18, it specifically denies that. Yeah, well, it does not allow you to do it. To know. Well, that- well, I think we'll leave the uh, tax conversation at that for the day. Finally, are you guys tired <laughs> of it? I am. Oh, yeah. All right, Deborah from Powder Springs asked, my late husband had a plan with Walgreens profit sharing retirement plan. It states the plan number and the value of the account. How do I gain access to his profit-sharing plan? I have his personal information, including his death certificate. So no matter who the plan's through, you should be able to do a simple online search and, and be able to figure out who the, what the participant services right. hotline is, and somebody will be able to assist you from there. It's going to probably vary uh, company to company. Sure. But it's, it's, a, it's an easy... Yeah. It, is, it really is not a, a complex uh, situation to handle. I mean, I, the thing is, and it sounds like uh, Deborah probably does have one, but what you'd want to look at is the uh, account statement. It's probably going to have a, a customer service line sure. on there. Uh, and, and if you have a death certificate and letters of testamentary in hand, uh, those are two of the primary things they're going to want 
to have so that they know whether or not you have the authority to request that kind of uh, or make that request on his behalf. And so if you do, uh, then essentially you're just setting up a new account at the custodian of your preference and uh, initiating a transfer with the current custodian of the profit-sharing plan. Uh, and again, you know, so long as they're able to verify that you have the authority to act on his account, uh, the logistics of the of, of moving the money are, are pretty simple. It's just a matter of some, uh, we'll call it red tape, with the current custodian and right. validating that, okay, there was a death, this is the person who has that authority to act on, on his behalf, you know, so on and so forth. And the retirement plan typically has a beneficiary That's designation. Right. So exactly. hopefully hopefully you're named as the beneficiary being the spouse. Otherwise you're in for a surprise. Yeah. That and- yeah, that might not be well. And you know what? That process. that that's true. That's a good point, and because that's what simplifies this situation a lot is that with it passing by beneficiary, you know, it's avoiding probate. You're right. not waiting on the courts, and that's why I say, you know, in this situation, it's pretty simple uh, in terms of the of the logistics and getting that into the place of your choosing. And the question is, where is that going to be? Uh, presumably, it would be in, in her IRA, which as a spouse, uh, she would have the ability to. Uh, yeah, just be careful, careful, Deborah. If you take a distribution from that, it will be fully taxable to you. So it's, to Jared's point, rolling it to an IRA or transferring it to an IRA will be better for you and then taking it as you need it. Yeah, make sure it's a direct transfer, not an indirect uh, transfer in which you actually take possession of the money. You've got 60 days to put it back into a tax-deferred account, but... Uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, like Sean was saying, it's it's much better to just keep it direct, and, and that way you don't have to worry about uh, any kind of tax implications or uh, anything surrounding that. Yep. Good answer, so. guys. Thank you. Um, I'm going to try and keep this this uh, question as short as possible, but it's something that we all are very familiar with. Um, Winston from Flowery Branch. Scanna has been in a steady decline for many months now. I sold it in late 2017. Earlier this week came the announcement that it would combine with Dominion Energy. With Scanna's troubles, does this bring the quality of Dominion down? He sold it in late 2017? Go ahead, say Interesting. it. Interesting. When, when did we sell it? That's no, l- later, uh, 2017. <laughs> uh, so by later, you mean too late? Well, I don't know. So Yes, sorry, we couldn't foresee the fact that it was going to be bought out by another company that we recommend. You so. must have dropped the crystal ball and cracked depending it too. On how, yeah, exactly. Depending on how late <laughs> in 2017 you sold, you got uh, jokes. Yeah. No, got look, jokes. you're right, though. In all honesty, and I've been giving Troy a lot of, a lot of uh, heat about this, but, I mean, look, you cannot – foresee those kinds of things you know it's funny how it happened and it just goes to show you you can't time the market as as much as you might try to it's just not possible no you can't and basically what happened here is scanna shares lost about 50 percent of their value um, after pulling the plug on a trouble nuclear plant in south carolina which it had charged its customers more than a billion dollars to build so no surprise here but state officials were seeking harsh penalties against scanna which honestly was going to threaten the health of the, the overall business. Even mm-hmm. the CEO came out and said, you know, if worst-case scenario penalty that, that you've mentioned, it would cripple our business. Right. So uh, Dominion basically came out and announced it's going to pay $7.43 billion in an all-stock deal for uh, Southern Carolina Utility, basically Southern Company. Um, it's going to position them solidly as the third-largest utility company. So you bring up a, a great question, you know, oh, are they buying junk? And the mm-hmm. answer is no. Basically, built into the deal is all right. that they're going to have to pay out to customers. And what the, what uh, Dominion has actually come out and, and done, they're going to refund customers $1.3 billion. So that's about $1,000 per customer in cash, which they'll pay within 90 days. 
Then they're going to get a 5% rate reduction compared to the 3.5% proposed by Scana. Mm-hmm. And they will ensure that they have government approval, that this will satisfy any you know, uh, issues the government had with, with Scana prior. So they've built all this into the price they're willing to pay. And in my opinion, they're going to get a great deal on some really core assets yeah. that are complementary to their portfolio. They already have a pipeline, 1,500 miles of pipeline running into South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, that will be complementary towards uh, what they're acquiring from Scana. Uh, so all in all, we're favorable on it. We recommend shares of Dominion. So if you own that stock and you're concerned about you know, the deal that, that they've agreed upon with Scana, in my opinion, you shouldn't be. And the yeah. stock yields 4%. Dominion right. yields 4% right now. Like you said, they, they didn't buy junk. I think they got it at a pretty nice price. They did. They, uh, took, they took great advantage of an unfortunate situation. For exactly. Scana. And and given you know Dominion's business as it was before that acquisition. Yeah. yeah like, like you said, that that's why we're fond of Dominion Energy. And, and you know what? I certainly don't think it's brought the quality of Dominion down. If anything, it's enhanced it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You're going. You had North Carolina, Virginia exposure before. You get South Carolina, some Georgia now. So you're just expanding your geographic footprint, really. So yeah, that's right. Well, guys, you're going to set another record. It's been another great show. Yeah. Any more records? I I think we will. I think the momentum's strong. I don't see anything underlying to cause concern. It's not a big economic data uh, week next week. We have earnings season really kicking off which could drive momentum of the market. But I don't see anything really that concerns me a whole heck of a lot that would say next week's going to be a down week. I t- tend to take Troy's uh, approach, and then the market's up more than it's down. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the market's up next week. What do you guys think? Given the, the projection board and research department, i got to say it's going to be up too. It looks like there's right. a lot of optimism uh, down there. I'm going to say Andrew. Yeah. Better be up on your own. All right. <laughs> Been a great show. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Have a great weekend. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.